So hopefully everyone had a good Christmas. Hopefully you had time to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hopefully you had a chance to spend time with family and friends and spend time with family that weren't friends. Um, sometimes we had to overcome some of the, the food that wasn't cooked just right, and sometimes the dinner rolls didn't show up on time, but we were able to enjoy each other's company anyway, amen? And ho- hopefully you received some of the gifts that you expected and, and maybe some that you didn't expect, and, and I'm sure you received those gifts that went into your family recycling program. Uh, but some of us, some of us for this Christmas was a little different. You see, some of us may have lost loved ones during the year. And it's hard. It's hard this time of year when we have to remember them and, and know that they're not here with us, that they're going on to glory. And some of us may be going through health issues and health challenges and knowing that, um, you know, the body's not quite right. Or, or maybe there was a loved one that didn't show up for that Christmas dinner that you wish had been there. You see, it's, it's not always a joyous occasion, but we push through it anyway and try to make it as joyous as possible. You see, even in our relationship, uh, for my wife and I, this was the first time in 40 years that we didn't have our children home with us. It was a different kind of Christmas without children running around. I was going through my health issues, and my wife had lost her brother, and so Christmas was, was good, it was solemn, and we, we shared love, and we had to press for the joy. It was a challenge. But you know, even with all these things, with the good and the bad, regardless of the condition of our lives, uh, this still remained a special time of year. It still remained a season of love and peace and hope a time of giving and sharing, it still felt like something special was going on in the air. Shoeboxes filled with gifts for children from around the world, angel tree requests abundantly supplied, touching the hearts of children all throughout the community. You see, warm greetings and hugs became the norm this time of year. We found extra patience for people, extra grace for people. And pleasantries like thank you and you first and after you, flowed a little bit more easily. For this was a season of supernatural joy, Christ-centered joy, overflowing joy. God sent joy. Not the happiness which derives itself from our circumstances. Not happiness that only becomes good when things are going right but the joy of Jesus, which is not contingent on our circumstances, but results from the faith that we claim that we have. Joy that results from the declaration that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. He's our healer, our provider, our protector. Joy that comes with knowing that unto us a Savior has been born. Joy in knowing that the scriptures have been fulfilled. For this is what Matthew says in chapter 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. The prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 7, written 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, saints, God is with us. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to her son, and he called his name Jesus. You see, Jesus is the source of our joy. Jesus is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our Prince of Peace, our everlasting Father. It is Jesus that gives us that spirit of joy. Oh, but when Christmas is over, something happens to many of us. Yes, we've broke, we've broke bread together, opened our hearts, <clears throat> had time together with family and friends, had Christmas Eve service here and worshiped together. But as soon as the wrapping paper is put away and the Christmas tree is taken down, the Salvation Army collectors stop ringing their bells. As soon as the Christmas lights are turned off, Something changes in us. It's time to go back to work, go back to school, go back to business as usual. We begin to dive back into the hustle and the bustle that consumes our day. Those Christmas bills now are coming due. Our focus turns from Christmas to New Year's. Maybe it's time for us to make a new resolution but who can even remember a resolution that you made last year or the year before? You see, the business of life begins to dim our light, and the life circumstances begin to kill our joy. But what if we could hold on to this joy that we have just a little longer? What if we could hold on to this joy and experience it every single day of our lives? What if the joy of Christmas could be truly everlasting? Today, I want to walk through Matthew chapter 2, and prayerfully through this word, we will be encouraged, encouraged to be intentional about seeking the joy of Jesus, encouraged to be alert to the things that would kill our joy, encouraged to be listening to God's warning signs, encouraged to be obedient to God's direction for our joy. Today's message is hold on to the joy of Christmas. Looking at Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now and after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. And assembly of all the chief 
priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, O you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, and for whom you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod some of the wise men secretly, ascertaining from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when he found them, when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with, mother, with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warmed in the dream, not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. These were wise men from the east. Maybe they were astronomers or scientists or learned people from Persia. It's not sure. It's not clear. But they were wise nonetheless. Maybe they were wise because their pursuit was the pursuit of Christ, which made them wise. But one thing for certain, the wise men had one goal in mind, one focus, one tent, one intent, and that was seeking Jesus, finding Christ, informed by a star like no star they've seen before, that the king of the Jews had been born. And seeing that star rise in Judah, they left their home. They traveled a long distance. And for many days, they searched for Jesus. Why? Because they wanted to worship the king. These wise men, men not of the house of Israel, were seeking and determined to worship the one true God. So they came to Jerusalem, the capital of Judea, believing that the king of kings would surely be found at the center of the seat of governance, only to be directed to the city of David, the small town of Bethlehem, six miles south of Jerusalem. Oh, but in their diligent search for, for Jesus in the town of Bethlehem, God was with them. And he directed them, and the star they had seen from the east now rested over the place where the child was born. And when they saw the star, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly. Why? Because they had found Jesus. The joy that overwhelmed them came because they found what they were seeking. We too must be diligent and intentional in seeking the Lord. For it is in that search, in that seeking, in that sacrifice, in that finding, that joy will undoubtedly overwhelm us as well. No matter what the risk, no matter what the length of the journey, no matter what the obstacle, obstacles or challenges that we face, we must press on to find Christ in our lives. God will guide us by his light, and that light is the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And Jesus said he would send us this helper because we can't do this alone. Life's messiness bogs us down. Life's challenges draw us back. But through his helper, 
We can press our way through the busyness of life, press our way through the hardships of life, and be in the presence of the Lord just to worship him. When the wise men went into the house, they saw the child and they fell down and worshiped him. In addition, they gave unto Jesus those things that they valued, things that represented, represented his royalty, his divinity, and his sacrificial love for us. How far will we go in seeking the Lord? What will we be willing to sacrifice to be in the presence of God? What will we leave behind in order to worship him and experience great joy, everlasting joy? Will we spend the time in the word of God? Will we spend time in prayer without ceasing? Will we spend time meditating on the goodness of the Lord day and night? Because surely he has blessed us abundantly. Will we give up that which we treasure the most? Will we sacrifice our comfort, our money, our friends, our job to experience the joy of the Lord? Matthew 6 and 33 says this, but six, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So if we are seeking the joy of Jesus, we must first seek the kingdom of God. That means the things of God must take priority over everything else in our lives. We were created to worship, but only when we fall on our knees, turn away from the fake gods in our life, and lift up our hands in adoration to the one true God, then and only then will we experience the joy that we're looking for. Herod the king, a.k.a. Herod the great, was truly a gifted politician, a great administrator, a great builder, and he restored the temple of Jerusalem to its previous glory. But this man was also a murderer, a killer. Anyone who opposed him, he did away with murdering his wife and his two sons. This was the Herod that was troubled at the arrival and the announcement by the wise men, troubled because he thought Jesus was coming to take something away from him, take away his kingdom, take away his authority. But he didn't understand that Jesus was coming to usher in a new day, to bring a new light to this world, to pre prepare us for a way to enter the kingdom of God. And Herod wasn't the only one that was troubled. The scripture says that Herod was troubled and all over Jerusalem with him. Things were about to be shaken up. Things were not going to be status quo anymore. What would this new king demand from us? Will he cause a revolt? Will he disturb my comfort? They were worried that Jesus was going to ask them to do something that they weren't prepared to do. Yes, these men were the same men that told Herod when he inquired where the Messiah was going to be born. They quoted Micah 2, and they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And O you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. You see, those people knew the word of God, but they couldn't live by it. The religious leaders knew what the word was telling them, but they wouldn't embrace it. They knew the word, 
but they wanted their comfort and their lifestyle. Here it was, the king of the Jews being born right in their very presence, but yet they let the wise men go alone to find Christ. They stayed in their comfort zone. King sent to deliver them from their bondage. Jesus, their Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. In verse 7, we see Herod in his fear and his deceit began to scheme to kill Jesus, to kill the spirit of joy before the world could experience the love of Christ. Tell me exactly what time that star came. Let me know when you find him so I can worship him too. Using religion to hide his evil schemes, as some do at times. But oh, God had a plan already in place for that. A plan to protect the wise men seeking the Lord and a plan to save the life of his only begotten son. God spoke to the wise men in a dream and he told them not to return to Herod. So they were obedient and went their own, to their own country another way. Saints of God, everybody's not going to be happy when you find the joy that you seek in Jesus Christ. They're not going to be happy that you're even searching for Jesus. Folks are going to be uncomfortable when you start proclaiming the joy of Jesus. You're challenging their strive towards happiness in the trappings of this world. Just dwelling in the joy of Jesus is a threat to the status quo. Thus, you have to be alert to the schemes of those who would try to kill your joy. For their desire is to try to do their best to bring you down, to discourage you, to challenge your faith, make you question the reason for your joy. Dave, aren't you battling cancer? How can you find joy in that situation? Because of the love of Christ. No matter your circumstances, no matter what you're going through, don't let the enemy steal your joy. Don't let him take away from you what God has given you, a spirit of happiness, a spirit of joy in your very soul. Whether he's using your health issues, whether he's using your financial issues, whether he's using your marital problems. Rebuke the spirit of the enemy and not let him take dominion over your life. For God has a plan to protect us. And he's still speaking to us every day. Looking at verse 13 through 18. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all the region that were two years and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. 
Then was fulfilled, then was fulfilled, was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramas weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. When the angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph, he told him, Don't worry, Joseph. Don't be afraid. Mary's with child, and that's the Holy Spirit. But he left out a few details. The angel didn't tell him, oh, by the way, Herod's going to try to kill you and the baby and Mary. He didn't tell him, Joseph, you know, in the middle of the night, you're going to have to run for your life. Run to a foreign country, away from your family and your friends, that you're going to have to give up those things you hold dear. You see, saints of God, this Christian journey was never promised to be easy for us. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You see, God does not normally share all the details with us. It's a test of our faith and trust in him. Plus, God knows that for some of us, if we knew then what we know now, we'd still be what we used to be. Because we wouldn't want to go down that path. If he showed us the, the trial we had to go through, we'd, we'd try to, God, give me another way because I don't want to go that way. But when I look on the other side of it, when I look on the other side of the trial, I can say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for bringing me through the storm. Thank you for building up my faith. Thank you for giving me hope again. James chapter 1 tells us this, to count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Children of God, God never leaves us alone when the enemy is trying to destroy us. He says he will never leave us nor forsake us. God, in his unwavering love, unwavering love, sent a warning to Joseph by way of a dream through an angel. Several times in this passage, God sends a word of warning to those on mission for him. You see, God, when you're doing things for God, when you're serving him, when you're being led by him, he's going to give you the warning signs along the way. In a dream, he spoke to Joseph about the Immaculate Conception, the birth of Jesus. In a dream, he warned the wise men. Now, in a dream, he warns Joseph about Herod's evil plot. You see, children of God, he is still warning us today. Do you hear the warnings? He may speak to you in a dream. He may speak to you through the word of God. He may speak to you in prayer. He may speak to you through a friend or a relative. But are we listening? Are we listening to God's direction? Are we listening to the warning signs? Or are our own desires too loud to hear the voice of God? It's hard to hear God and his warning signs when we're pursuing something other than Christ. Our hearts should be focused on the things eternal and not on the things that will rust out, dry up, fade away, and ultimately be consumed by fire. 
we are to store up our treasures in heaven. And that is truly where our heart will be led. The Holy Spirit is still our counselor. He still guides our footsteps. And if we listen closely enough, that wasn't him. If we listen closely enough, we'll hear the warning signs. Somebody wants to kill your joy. Don't take that new job. Somebody wants to kill your joy. Don't go out with that person. Somebody wants to kill your joy. Go home a different way. Can you hear him speaking? The enemy wants to kill our joy. That friendship that you're in, it's time to move on. God said, flee from youthful passions. Flee from sexual immorality. Those things are trying to steal our joy. Joseph heard the warning and fled to Egypt, and by his actions, the prophetic word in Hosea 11.1 was fulfilled. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. What warning signs is God giving us right now? Yes, when we heed to the warning signs, our enemies, just like Herod, will, will be even more agitated. You see, when you say yes to God, it doesn't mean that all the trials go away. When you say yes to God, it doesn't mean that things are going to get easier. Matter of fact, the people that were trying to entrap you will be even angrier, just like Herod was. He decided he was so mad that he was tricked that he killed all the male children under two years old. When he thinks he has us in his clutches and he has us defeated and he's stolen our joy, he gets upset when we say yes to Jesus. He gets upset when we chase after the joy of Jesus. But still, we trust in God because he is our protector and our provider. Even though we have to go to Egypt, and leave the things that we have to leave behind. Even though he's called us to move into a different place and leave that place of comfort, he still watches over us. Looking at verse 19 through 23. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in the dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and he took the child and his mother and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Achilles was reigning over Judea in a place of his, of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And when he went and he lived in a, and he went and he lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. A spirit of obedience. The angel said, take your child and your mother and go back to Israel. And Joseph took them back to Israel. The angel said in a dream, don't go to Judea. So he withdrew and went instead to Galilee. 
The angel told him to flee to Egypt. In the middle of the night, he packed his bag without question, without doubt, without worry, and he took his family and fled. The angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, Joseph. So he took Mary as his wife. The angel of the Lord said, call him Jesus. And Joseph called him Jesus. A spirit of obedience by a righteous man. Pushing past his public ridicule, pushing past his personal pride, pushing past the cultural norms, pushing past his fear of isolation. He said yes to godly direction. Yes to whatever you're asking me to do, God. You see, real joy can only be found when we're following God's lead, when we're doing what God has designed us to do. Real joy can only be found when we're walking truly in his purpose for our lives. When we're walking in obedience to the calling that he has on us is where we can find real joy. When we're walking in obedience to the things that he's designed for us when we first created us in the mother's womb, he already knew that he called some to be preachers. He already knew that he called some to be uh, evangelists. He already knew that he called some to be administrators. What gift are you holding on to that God wants to use? Because he's calling you to do something for him. And then that thing that you find will give you great joy. Obedience to his voice and his alone. Many times in the past I found myself going in a complete opposite direction of where God was trying to send me. All the warning signs were going up and I was ignoring them until I crashed. Bumped my head. Almost tore apart my marriage. I ran from Jesus. I ran from preaching. I ran hard and long until I couldn't run anymore. God said, stop hurting those people around you. I need you. It was then and only then that I realized the everlasting joy could only be found in Christ. He was the only one that left his home in heaven, wrapped himself in flesh, and allowed himself to die on the cross for our sins. He was the only one that paid the price for all of us. He just wants us to be obedient. His word says, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you're thinking about making a New Year's resolution, Just resolve to yourself that you'll hold on to the joy of Christmas. Resolve to yourself that you're going to be more intentional about seeking Christ. Resolve to yourself that you're going to stay on alert to the wiles of the enemy. Resolve to yourself that I'm going to be obedient to your word, O oh God. Resolve to yourself that I'm going to hear what thus saith the Lord. Don't let Christmas the 25th of December, be the last day that you experience the joy of the Lord. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what he tells us in Nehemiah. Don't let December 25th stop you from saying thank you and I love you and hug you and let me greet you, let me share with you, let me give unto you. Don't let December 25th be the end 
of what it means to represent Christ in this world because it's that season when we walk out and we're sharing love with people. We're letting them know who Christ is. Let it not end there, but as you move into the new year, let the love of Christ shine through you. Let your light so light the world because you are truly a city on a hill and God wants to use each and every one of us to let people know that there's joy in Jesus. Hold on to the joy of Christmas. Hold on to what God has given you during this spirit. Don't let it go. And know that God wants to use you in a mighty way. As you enter into next year, just know that God wants to use you to touch somebody's life, to give that joy of Christ to them, to let them know that God is doing something new in you. We serve an awesome God. Let us experience his joy year-round and share it with our friends and our neighbors. Amen? Amen.